Good evening, everyone. It's April 15th, 2019. We're here at Studio 108 in Union City, California. I'm your proud host, Justin Chrysostomo, joined by my co-host, Tim Didico, and this is Episode 7 of the Competitor News Podcast. And we're off. And Tim is back, ladies and gents. Uh, he came back in time to talk some NBA playoffs with me. Good to have you back, my friend. How have you been? It's good to be back, man. Uh, it's Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Competitor Podcast, Episode 7. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I've been away for some time. Uh, had a couple family things going on. Uh, for all you financial people, it's, it's quarter close. It's Q1. So I've been out for some time, but I'm glad to be back with my brother, Justin. I'm good, man. I'm solid. And it's, it's good to be back. Yeah, it is. It's uh, good to have you by my side again, uh, talking some sports. So uh, the first round just got started over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So probably some of you listeners that might be tuning in a couple games or so into the first round. And I got to tell you, it was a shaky start for some and a <laughs> nice start for most, though. So but before we get into the NBA playoffs, I want to give a huge congratulations to uh Tiger Woods. Is this a golf clap type thing right now? I did. I know I've been doing this in the past few episodes now, but now, uh, you know, I was listening to the radio. I always say that. I know I always say that, but I was listening to the 95.7 the game this morning, and they were actually saying um, that this particular feat is, uh, is ooh, six point lead, that this particular feat is similar to sort of the impact of Jackie Robinson. You know, I mean, you're, you are, you know, we're talking about golf where it's obviously it's a predominantly Caucasian sport obviously, but to have a gentleman like Tiger Woods, you know, a, a golfer that frankly we've never seen before, just take the game by storm and transcend the game. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. I'm not a big golf guy, but um, it was nice to see that and refreshing it. it it's, it's definitely the story of redemption. So exactly. Like, like you just said, uh, you, you don't really uh, pay attention to golf and I don't much either. I don't play golf. I don't watch golf, but what Tiger Woods accomplished is much more than golf. Uh, since 2009, let me go down this list here. Mm-hmm. Tiger went through a scandal, tabloids, an ACL tear, a torn Achilles, three back surgeries, a DUI, a glute surgery. And so it's been 14 years since he's won the Masters and 11 years since he's won his uh, his first major. So Tiger has, has had every reason to just give up, but he didn't. And he kept working hard while he hugged his son. You can... Feel the genuineness in the, of the moment. Uh, so this is one of the greatest comeback stories in sports history. And uh, like you said, you were listening to 95.7. I was listening. I mean, I was uh, tuning into uh, PTI earlier, listening to Wilbon saying about yeah. uh, Tiger Woods saying that this is comparable to uh, Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan in the sense that when Michael Jordan, he, when he went to baseball and came back, uh, you know, just took the NBA back over and just won a, a few more titles. And he did it again after his father's passing. And this, the same as Tiger Woods. Uh, when he won his first, uh, the last time he won his title, he got to hug his father. But now, since that was so long ago, he got to hug his son this time. And same thing with Muhammad Ali after being banned from, uh, you know, not wanting to go to the war and not being wanting to be drafted. And, uh, coming back and just beating George Foreman. And when he beat George Foreman, you know, he wasn't the greatest at that time, but he wasn't the greatest. George Foreman wasn't the greatest at that time, but he was among the elite. And that's who Muhammad Ali wanted to do to identify himself again, is he wanted to be one of the greatest again, and he proved it. So coming back to Tiger Woods, after all this, he proved that you can never underestimate the heart of a champion. Straight up, Tiger Woods, congratulations. Uh, you are an iconic symbol of perseverance. Yeah, I mean, just can you just imagine all the scrutiny that he went through? You know, just obviously he he made a mistake. He he's definitely wasn't an angel, but just just imagine going through that for years and years of just uh, of, of that guilt that you have. Exactly. You. But uh, that's what makes sports so great. Uh, everybody loves a comeback story. Everybody loves an underdog. Everybody loves a, a David and Goliath underdog story. And Tiger Woods did just that. And he made America fall in love with him all over again. And Tiger, I think he got a lot left in the tank. He obviously at 43, you know, you don't got to 
it's important for golfers to keep in shape and keep that uh keep up with the game but I think Tiger Woods got a long way to go, and I think we're going to see him win a couple, a couple more titles here. Fifth green jacket. Fifth, he's got his fifth green jacket. I think he needs three more to uh, tie Jack and four more to take him over. But like I said in the beginning of this conversation, we're not really big golf enthusiasts, but when stories like this pop up, you can't help but appreciate the greatness that Tiger has accomplished. Well said. Well said, my friend. All right, so uh, now uh, going to uh, the NBA playoffs, uh, we're going to start with uh, – the West, the Western Conference with the eight seed Golden State. I mean, the eight seed LA, Los Angeles Clippers and the first seed Golden State Warriors. So we're actually doing this podcast while Game Two of, uh, <laughs> of is going on right now uh, between the left Warriors. Down my six. It's uh, in the first quarter right now. So besides all that, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, how what's going on in so far into this series, which Golden State is leading the series one zero right now, and. Uh, it's a lot of, there's been a lot of chippiness already between <laughs> Patrick Beverly and Kevin Durant, both receiving uh, two technical fouls each, uh, resulting in an e- in ejection. And to me, that's just super soft. So soft, the league should just rescind one technical each and just start over from there because it's these guys are wearing their emotions on their sleeve right now. It's playoff basketball. It's not like they were up in each other's faces and ready to fight and throw down. They were just competing in the moment. And these guys are friends as well. So Patrick Beverly obviously didn't mean to hurt Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant didn't obviously didn't mean to hurt Patrick Beverly. These guys, it's a Chicago kid and a Washington kid just going at it like it's a street ball game. But it's just the stage is an NBA playoff game one. And um, besides all that, to me, the story is, uh, Stephen Curry going off for 38 points and a career high 15 rebounds. I just want to say before you go on to Steph, uh, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Pat Bev's a dog, okay? He's one of my favorite guys in the NBA. I feel like every team should have a Pat Beverly type exactly. player. I mean, obviously, uh, with our homegrown team and, and Draymond Green, you love it. You, 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 you fucking you love that. it, man. And you need that. And the NBA needs players like that still um, in this unfortunately sophomore era like you hate to go against them but you love it if he's playing right beside you Absolutely. so uh going back onto steph curry eight made threes and uh so he's now made the most threes in playoff history i believe it's 386 passing ray allen less than 100 games right 91 games i believe so <laughs> this is his 92nd playoff game here and it took ray allen i believe 186 or something like that something like that so steph curry has not even barely he's played about a little more than half maybe just a shade over half of amount of playoff games ray allen has and he has eclipsed his record and it's gonna go on for quite some time he's got another good six seven years still he's got it yeah steph curry he's gonna play till this contract is over and maybe a little more beyond that because uh he's great for the nba and besides all that uh this is he's having he's having a great start to the playoffs so uh, Ed Malloy, though, he did a great, he did a, I mean, not a great job. He did a horrible job uh, <laughs> uh, refereeing that game one. And so hopefully uh, there's not a lot of reasons that uh, players complain in their press and post interviews that refs are taking over the game because that's the last thing you want when the referees and these little calls are getting in the way of spirited competition. So, uh, you know, I'm obviously me, you and I were Warrior fans, so we're obviously happy about the 121-104 victory. Well, I was gonna say before you go on, I I I, I think uh, there are actually a lot of Clipper fans that you know that weren't too happy about the way the, the game was officiated. There were a lot of, I mean, hey, this is our Warrior segment, this is our Warrior Homer rad, but I'll I'll I gotta be honest here. I, I think I do think. Uh, there were a couple calls that the Warriors were getting, especially um, on the defensive end for the Clippers. There were yeah. a couple calls that were made, and to, to be fair, but That's, I, I, that I is, yeah, I do. I, I did notice calls, especially going, towards the second, like towards heading into the into the first half, heading into you know at the end of the of the of the first half anyway. Yeah. Calls are going to go both ways. There's going to be games where uh, it looks lopsided for each team, and it's going to go. And there's going to be that, that rare percentage where the game was well officiated and no one had a problem with it. But uh, with that being said, game two, like we said, is going on right now <laughs> as, we, as we pod. So uh, we'll see the end of that. And speaking of this series, the winner of this series will meet the winner of Utah and Houston. So Houston, 
they are up 1-0, so they had a great second half uh, in game one. And they won 122-90. to And to me, the Jazz, they didn't look like the Jazz. They didn't look like the, how they played usually in the regular season. It looks like Quinn Snyder tried to come up with a plan that, you know, we're going to let James Harden drive in and we're going to let him meet Rudy Gobert and make a decision from there. But that obviously didn't work because James Harden got... He did whatever he wanted. He had a near triple-double. He was like one or two assists away from a triple-double. So having a lane to the basket every single time defending James Harden is not a it's not a great winning recipe. You got to stay in front of James Harden. Yeah, he got that nasty step back and he might dribble you to sleep, but at least you got eyes on him. You don't want to be looking at the name on his back. You want to be looking at the name on his front. So James Harden, he's going to get his regardless. He might uh, be a turn. Justin. You cannot stop James Harden. I'm sorry. That's there's what I. No, I, no. I was just gonna get to that. He <laughs> he could be a volume shooter. He might be able to shoot eight for twenty three, or that he might go twenty for twenty three yeah. with a bunch of free throws. But you're, if I was guarding James Harden, I'm gonna stay in front of him as best as I can, and just because there's no way to stop him. Because when he gets to the when he gets inside, he's just so cerebral with his ability to get to the free throw line. So James Harden. Uh, the Utah Jazz just got to do a better job at being physical and uh, they got to take it from there and Donovan Mitchell uh, he shot a very poor percentage yeah, la- he looked really uh, the poor. other day he really, I'm actually looking at the stats right just trying to look at the stats he looked, looked like one uh, seven for eighteen. Yeah, go ahead. Tell points. me, tell, tell, tell me about what you think about what the Utah Jazz need to do to uh, get back in this series. It's tough, you know. I, I don't. I just don't. I I, I think Houston. They just. I, I feel like they have better. They have more depth on the team, and they have James Harden, and they right. have Chris Paul. And they have Chris Paul. Yeah, yes. they got Chris Paul. I mean, James yeah. Harden. He he's, about he's in line for a second MVP. Uh, you know, let me say this about Houston also. Uh, they had a really rocky start to start the regular season. Uh, they 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 started eleven and fourteen, and then. They finished with 53 and 49, which was good for fourth. So Houston, they they uh, stumbled really coming out of the gate to start the year, but they finished really hot. And they let, we all know that they love to shoot. They love to get quick shots uh, early in the shot clock. Yeah. And they like to try to outscore you. And they're not really going to play much defense other than uh, trying to get into the passing lanes and uh, ma- making Capella uh, block every shot known to man. So... Uh, uh, the Utah Jazz, what they need to do is they need to take advantage of their size and they need to slow the game down. And if they that can do those things, then uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a very short series for Utah. I absolutely agree. They just got to play with their with their own pace, and you can't run and gun with the Houston Rockets. You know, you really can't. They got great shooters, excellent shooters, and they have James Harden. Houston, <laughs> it, it to me is still the the biggest threat to the Warriors three peat. Yes. So. Uh, that's crazy that they had the potential to meet in the second round and uh, disappointing. Not go for, not battle for the Western Conference Finals yeah, title, which uh, you know a lot of NBA fans and a lot of league-wide fans would like, love to have seen. Is uh, you know round four between these uh, two uh, competitive monsters. But uh, moving on to the third and the sixth seed, Portland has a 1-0 lead over OKC. So let me start with Paul George of the OKC Thunder shooting 8 for 23 in game one. Not a recipe for victory if OKC wants to uh, tie this series. Lillard and McCollum, they combined for 54 points. Well, you know, hold on. PG3 does have that big-ass ice pad on his shoulder. He's got a really bump shoulder. Yeah, a lot of KT tape going on there, too. So uh, I heard it. It's, 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 it. And you could tell in his game, in his style, or it's just the way he's playing right now, you could tell he's hurt. Yeah, right before the All-Star break, Paul George was having a really good mm-hmm. uh, year and a really uh, MVP caliber type season Definitely. where he would be in the conversation along with Giannis, Harden, Curry, Durant, Embiid. Uh, He's playing the best, best ball of his career. Best ball of his career, yeah, correct. For sure. So Paul George, he really needs to uh, uh, take uh, take that, uh, take OKC and you know, put them on their back along with Westbrook. And because Westbrook, we all know what he's going to do. He's going to, he's going to stat pad. He's going to grab a lot of rebounds. He's going to get a lot of assists and he's going to get a lot of transition buckets. But when that, when they're in the half court, I like, I like Paul George handling the ball much more than uh, 
Russell Westbrook, uh, but on the fast break, I like Russell Westbrook handling it. You know, he, Russ has got a lot. Obviously, I mean, just stating the obvious, he he's gotten a lot better um, yes. uh, as, as as a player with with just in his in his assists. You know, he's he's yes. definitely sharing the ball the best he's ever had in any year he's been playing, and I got and I'm pretty impressed with that. But yes, every now and then he just chucks up threes. Yes, he under <laughs> uh, yeah he's uh, now in his career he understands that he needs to get his teammates involved, and that he is a leader because he is he's getting paid a a really hefty uh, salary so he better do what he can for that team which he is he is he's, he's averaged a triple double for the regular season again so uh but he needs to help out paul george and paul george needs to step it up for for them to uh get back in this series uh what i like about the blazers as well is uh even though yusef nurkic went down uh, ns cancer has really stepped up and with 20 points 18 rebounds which is a career high in mm -hmm. his rebound total so it was a great move getting an uh, Cantor to uh, get depth for that five spot. He played really well. Really, in, really well. In the beginning of the game especially, he played really well. And then after a while, it became Cantor where he started trying to take chances to try to steal the ball from Steven Adams. Steven Adams would catch the ball in the backside and just hit a layup. <laughs> so this is technically uh, OKC's first loss against Portland this year since uh, the Thunder uh, swept the season series. So uh, who, who do you got winning this series right now? Oh, it's tough with this uh, OKC in Portland. You know, okay, I'll say this. I was watching uh, some of that game, and uh, <laughs> I was telling myself as Portland was up big, when, I'm wondering when the threes are going to stop dropping. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, the threes stopped dropping. OKC closed the gap. Uh, back, back to the question, who's going to win this series? I'm going to say OKC just because of the star power pending caveat. Paul George. Paul George. Can he, can he get over that bump it, shoulder? This um this series to me depends on how well Paul George can contribute. Yeah. And because he is their number one option, in my opinion. So uh, back to Portland. Here's here's another thing about Portland as well. They were the third seed last season as well, and they were swept by a New Orleans team that was so much in disarray this year. So Portland has got the third seed again, and Terry Stotts, this is, I believe, this he's on the hot seat. If Portland doesn't get out of the first round, I, I believe that. I believe that Portland is going to be revamped, and they're going to realize that they can't win with this squad anymore. That's a hot take, bro. Yes. That's a hot take. It, it's, I've thought about this quite in depth. If Portland does not win this series, I'm not saying they should start from scratch. I think they should... They got to get rid of Stotts, and they got to consider moving Lillard or McCollum. Wow, really? Wow. Because they've had this team. This would this is Lillard's third or fourth playoff series, and he's got as far as the semifinals. But being but being but three first round exits is not something that you try to keep building around. Yeah. So you got to make a move, and you got to realize that this is not happening the way we wanted to. And it's either you bring Lillard more help. Or you get him out of there. Well, it'd be interesting. Remember if they? Well, how would it, how would it be? You think if they had uh, McCollum, uh, Lillard, and, uh, and and LA Lamarcus? That's there's right. no way to there's no way of telling that. And to be honest, um, I think Lamarcus Aldridge is in a better place. He's much more suited for that uh, Greg Popovich offense where the ball's moving around and he could just stay in the block and you know extend his shot if he needs to. But uh, we'll we'll get to Lamarcus Aldridge and the poor and the uh, Denver San Antonio series in a little bit. Uh, but let me finish off with uh, the Blazers here. That Paul George was an MVP MVP candidate earlier in the season, and he needs to play like that for OKC to win. So Stephen Adams as well. I thought in the beginning of the year he would be considered for an All Star ballot vote. But he's not really. He hasn't really done much uh, to end the year so far, and he didn't really wasn't much of a factor in Game One because he got outplayed by Ennis Cantor. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, he, he he like he was another player that played really well in the beginning of the year, and then that started to falter a little bit. I'm never going to question Stephen Adams' toughness and his ability to anchor the defense because that's that's his job. That's what he does. But he just simply uh, he looked lost out there. Uh, I think Can Cantor uh, he un he was 
he underestimated Cantor's ability on the offensive end. And uh, I think, but, sure. but uh, for game two, I believe I see Steven Adams coming ready to play and uh, OKC to bounce back for uh, game two. So now moving on to uh, the seventh, the seven seed and the two seed Denver Nuggets versus San Antonio Spurs. Now, Denver is a team that I don't think they get a lot of credit for throughout the whole year. They were practically holding down the top spot, um, the top spot between one and two the whole year, competing with the Warriors the whole season. And they were never really in conversations to ever compete for the NBA Finals. So, you know, they got a lot of, uh, they got a lot of talent in Nikola Jokic, which is their franchise player. And most likely their second best player is Jamal Murray. And Jamal, and now going, going uh, to predictions of this series, Jamal Murray, I mean, the Nuggets are only going to go as far as Jamal Murray takes them. Because we all know Nikola Jokic is a triple-double machine at the center spot. He can pass, he can shoot, he can dribble, he can play the post, he can defend the post, and he can pass from uh, the high post. So Jamal Murray is the leader at that point guard spot, and he needs to take that next step despite being only 22 years old. I just old. don't think he's ready yet. He's not ready. Yeah, but he's a great scorer. He's going to get better. But right now, he's running in to a defense that is um, uh, constructed by Greg Popovich. So how's Gary Harris? How's Gary Harris doing right now? Gary Harris, he's he's a uh, you know I'm never gonna underestimate those Michigan State guys. Gary Harris, he's a tough he's a tough player at the two guard position. He's a great shooter. He was playing very very well yesterday. But the Nuggets they shot themselves out of the game going six for 28 from three. Yeah. So the Spurs, the way that the way I saw it, the way they were defending is they're going to let they're going to, they, the Nuggets really play off Jokic and they really play off his ability to pass the ball. So then what the Nuggets, uh, what the Spurs did is they let Jokic in off in an Island when he had the ball in his hands and they just let Jokic make the decision if he wanted to step in a little bit or if he wanted to shoot, because that's, Jokic's uh, strength is his ability to find the open men, find cutters. And when he was able to hit players for open shots, the Nuggets weren't the Nuggets weren't hitting, and that's pretty much what it came down to, in my opinion. And also Popovich having DeRozan and Aldridge at his side, at his disposal, you know, it, it just becomes too much. And like I was telling you before we started recording, we were talking about DJ Augustine, the fact that he's the uh, He's a NBA veteran and, you know, hasn't had a lot of uh, run in the playoff. And he played very well in that in game one, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Now, I say this because Rudy Gay is the same way. Rudy Gay has, has had knee injury after knee injury, meniscus, Achilles. Mm-hmm. And he's always been a player that you have to give him playing. He's a professional scorer. Professional scorer. He's, not an all, he's no. never been an all-star, but he's always going to be a player that he's a he can put the. He's a shot maker. He can put the ball in the basket. He's got he, size. He's he's got length. He's got size. He can play. He can defend his position. Yeah. Uh, Wiley veteran. Super savvy Wiley veteran. So Rudy Gay came out uh, scorching hot yesterday yeah, or the other day, and he played very well. And I expect that to can continue on in this series. And so now for the Nuggets, for them to win this series, they need to hit their shots. And they need to score over 100 points because when they are let, when they uh, they have a losing record when they're held under 100 points, the Spurs do not need to score 100 points because they play off ball movement, and they play off being able to defend three, Scheme, defend sure. the three. So, you know, I think well, um, it, that, that's a big loss for Denver just because that because they already lacking experience. You're going up against Pop. They split the series, uh, you know, at home. Or if they, you know, not split, but they, you know, San Antonio took the first game. It's going to be really tough. I, I don't, I mean, I'll, this might be a hot take. I, I kind of have a hard time seeing Denver winning any game in San Antonio. I, I agree. I agree with you, Tim, because for the fact that I, I think Denver would have been better off if they drew OKC in the first round yeah. because they played the exact same way and Denver could benefit off that because they'll be able to get a lot more open shots and Jokic will have a, a easier time uh, against uh, Steven Adams because he's not going to come out that far. Right. So, yeah, that's just a very good point. It's a very good point. And uh, so, in in my opinion, Denver, uh, this is not the worst possible match they could have going against San Antonio, but they would have been better off playing OKC or even LAC. So, drawing San Antonio in the first round, it was just bad luck for them. But they bad for the Warriors if we had to play them in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for us, <laughs> I think out of San Antonio, 
OKC and LAC, the Warriors got all three of their numbers. For sure. I'm not for worried sure. about. For sure. Oh yeah. I'm not for worried sure. about the Warriors getting out of the second. Oh, round. for sure. I yeah. just think that, um, damn, that would have been a hard, uh, a pretty. Um, they, it would definitely have been a challenge for us for sure. And you know, they're not an easy out for any team in San Antonio. So. That's right. But uh, another thing, um, going back to San Antonio, I want to speak about DeRozan just for a quick second. No matter what happens in this playoff run for San Antonio, I believe DeMar DeRozan, even though he has, I think, two more years left on that contract, I don't see him being in San Antonio next year. I have a feeling they're going to ship him. I just have this feeling. Uh, I think uh, they're going to really invest time in their uh, very young player, Lonnie Walker IV. Uh, He's not really, he's a rookie right now. He's not going to see a lot of playoff run right now, but he has length. He's 6'4", 6'5". They're going to make him the, the new Ginobili in San Antonio. That's what I see. Uh, DeRozan, he's just the the guy to plug in right now. But at the same time, he's just more than a plug-in. That's why it's really tough to play Lonnie Walker right now. Do you think DeRozan is a superstar? He's a star. He's not a superstar. Because if he was a superstar, he'd still be in Toronto. So... Kawhi Leonard's a superstar. Yeah, we're seeing that now for sure. I mean, I I, I think well, when they let DeRozan go, um, for most, it was obviously just more than um, was he the better player? Who was the better player in that package? It was more of like he, what he meant to that city. Correct. You know? so. Yeah. So it's this series, um, San Antonio and Denver, this, I have a feeling could go five, five games or six games maybe. Denver has to get it together. That's for sure. So we'll see what happens in game two tomorrow. Yeah, I just don't see it, man. <laughs> oh, move, moving on to the moving on to the Eastern Conference, uh, Detroit and Milwaukee. Milwaukee leads one zero. So from the start of this game, the the Bucks just demolished the Pistons straight from the tip. Uh, I didn't even know that Blake Griffin was out for this game, but once I heard that, I I almost didn't want to watch anymore. Almost didn't want to watch anymore. Because um, I only watched because it was the only game on right at that moment. I didn't even realize he was out for the game. Well, I didn't see the game, obviously, guys. I yeah, sound, he didn't I even. sound so terrible for saying this right now. But I didn't know he was out for the game. Wow. Yeah, so now, reportedly, he's now out for the rest of the series. So, in my opinion, he's out for the year. Because Detroit is not getting past this series, especially without Blake Griffin. They weren't going to even get past this series with Blake Griffin. Oh, of course not. So, but Blake Griffin is their best player, and he gives them the best chance to win a game. And uh, Andre Drummond, he is their second best player, but he didn't. He was a non-factor. His plus-minus was minus forty-five, which is an Jeez. NBA playoff all-time worst. Jesus Christ! He was just getting the business from Giannis every time he was driving in. Brooke Lopez was doing whatever he wanted. He got a, he hit a couple open shots. George Hill came off the bench with sixteen points. Uh, for Detroit, though, Luke Kennard had twenty-one points off the bench, so he had a, he was probably the bright spot uh, of the Pistons last night. Or the other night, excuse me. So I I, I expect Detroit to get uh, to take the uh, to take the sweep 4-0. to get Molly Wap to make. This is probably the series where Molly Wap has his be written all mm-hmm. over it. <laughs> so there's not much left to say about the series other than it's over as soon as we heard that. Yeah, we're gonna Blake see Rippen's we're gonna out. see more free throw dunks from Giannis. Yeah, you know, Giannis is crazy. <laughs> you see, he jumped he, like one foot from the free throw line. Jeez. He takes it and just hammers it with one hand. So when when thing when things are going on like that, it's you just get demoralized as an athlete, if especially if you're on the Pistons. So rest in peace to the Pistons uh, season. It, Dwayne Casey, uh, you did a tremendous job. He's a good coach. He's a, he's a great, he's a great coach. He, he was coach of the year last year. There's no denying uh, the ability Dwayne Casey has to lead a team, but he ran into a buzzsaw with a. He ran into a buzzsaw with the, against the number one seeded Bucks with a Blake Griffin list team now. So Detroit Pistons, the true eighth seed. They are they are they are the nine. They are a eighth B team seed. <laughs> yeah, the Clippers. Who do you think would win? The Clippers or the Pistons? The Clippers, Clippers. Clippers. Yeah, for sure. Right. How many games do you think? Five or six. Think five. Five I, or I, six. I think six. Give them a good six. But yeah, five or six. Without Blake, a sweep. For sure. There's for no sure. score. For I sure. You know who sucked. You know who I hate. Not hate, just I, I'm not impressed with this game ever since he's come into the league. Reggie Jackson. That guy is just, I like Darren Collison better than I like Reggie Jackson, to be honest with you. So They're about the same player to me. Yeah, I mean, at least Darren Collison is a pass first and he knows how to run an offense. Reggie Jackson is, 
You don't know what the hell he's gonna self-centered do. Self-centered and selfish. You dude. don't know what the hell he's gonna do. He's a he's a scorer first, and he's not a great shooter. I say selfish so, from the incident with Oklahoma City. Remember that whole incident? Terrible, because he yeah. he felt that he should be starting in front of Westbrook, and he's a starting caliber point guard, and that's fine. He's a young player. He's uh you know he's on his high right now. That OKC was doing really well, and he was coming off the bench at that time and playing very well, and he was a very deserving sixth man at the time. But you know. When you have to play in the East and you got no one, no one else to rely on except Andre Drummond. Hey guys, I'm Justin Chrysostomo, host of the Competitor News Podcast. Join my co-host Tim Didico and I weekly as we discuss sports and culture. We're now available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Pocket Casts. You can follow us on Instagram at The Competitor News for trending sports news and updates. That's at The Competitor underscore news. And click the link on our bio to tune into the podcast. We hope what we have to say helps you pass the time or better yet, enjoy it. Peace. Okay, moving on to the Indiana and Boston series. So this is the series that in the first round so far that out of all the game ones that I didn't really pay so much attention to only because I just wasn't tuning in. I was busy like everybody else. So the Celtics, here, here's my thing though. What I know before this series started is that the Celtics floated around the four or five spot the whole year battling inconsistent play and questions about their ability to reach the Eastern Conference Finals because it's centered around the growth of Jason Tatum and the high expectations that they have for Gordon Hayward. So with that being said, I still predict the Celtics to come out of the East because they are the most well-coached team in the East, in my opinion. And after all the player movement in the out of the big guns of the East, like the Raptors, the Sixers, the Bucks, this makes the Celtics the most... Uh, team that's been together the longest and so which gives them a chemistry advantage and they also still have Kyrie Irving which is the best point guard in the east in my opinion but you got to still give credit to the Pacers in my opinion they overachieved after Victor Victor Oladipo went down for the season Uh, they were in the four spot they were hanging around the three four spot with Mm -hmm. Oladipo and then after losing, they've lost Oladipo for like over 50 games. Yeah, it's very important. And to, and to still be in the fifth spot without Oladipo mm-hmm. is an accomplishment in itself for Indiana. So being a top five team in the East without Oladipo, McMillan had them playing tough defense all year, but they just don't have enough offense to advance. And that's what it's going to come down to. They only scored 74 points in the whole game yesterday. And as I'm looking at right now, there's only three minutes left in game in the first half here in the Warriors game, and the Warriors are approaching 60 points. So the Warriors are about 14, 16 points away from Indiana Pacers' whole total. So that in itself should tell you that the Indiana Pacers don't stand a chance to win a a seven-game series. Well, I think think, uh, the Marcus Smart losing him was... It's definitely going to be a big loss for them, for sure, on the defensive end. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, without, especially without Victor Oladipo, I just don't see Indiana getting past Boston in this series. Not at all. There's not really much to say about that series, except that good luck to <laughs> Indiana the rest of the way. They because... played well in the beginning, though. They did, they, they, they did play well in the very beginning of that game. Uh, I was kind of feeling like, oh, well, same old Boston Celtics. And, you know, just like what many people said, you know, um, it gets tougher and tougher to just flip that switch with Boston and losing Marcus Smart. Yes, they played well, um, but uh, they got to be consistent. They got to continue to um, just playing Boston basketball because at times they don't they don't do it. Yeah, when they're when, they're, it, when you know? they're moving the ball and they're playing great defense, especially if Al Horford's having a good game and he's hitting his open threes, that team is really hard to stop. They have a lot of grittiness. They got a lot of really good finesse play that is very underrated in my opinion because when 
you know, Jason Tatum, I'm not really sold on, even though I'm picking them to come out of the East. This is going to sound weird, but I'm not a big Jason Tatum guy. So Me too. He's not... He's never even scored over 30 points more than two, three times in his he, career. He can shoot, though. He's, he's a, a great, He's a silky smooth shooter, but sure. not a silky smooth scorer. There was a lot of hype in the off, uh, last offseason with his uh, videos of him working out with Kobe and this mm-hmm. mama mentality, yeah. a new approach and stuff like that. But the only mentality I've ha- I seen Tatum have is just he's been a volume scorer and shooter a lot this year. So he's not really having a great sophomore season. Hopefully he bounces back for a, for his third year and plays better. And hopefully that he, you know, hits some shots in this uh, series and throughout the playoffs as well. So that they're gonna, the, the Celtics are going to really need Jason Tatum to play well uh, throughout the playoffs, in my opinion. Well, I, I you know, he's a great player. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that next step yet. Yeah, he's only in year two, so he's got a long way to go. And generally, it usually takes these kind of players a little more longer to develop. So, Jason Absolutely. Tatum, you got a lot of time, and we'll, we'll see how you do. So, moving on to Brooklyn and Philadelphia. This series is now tied at one apiece. Uh, this game was actually uh, in the beginning of uh, the, the first TNT, NBA on TNT game before this game, uh, before the Golden State and Clippers game. Uh, Brooklyn... Uh, Throughout the first haymaker and took game one. Uh, Embiid was a game time decision. He ended up playing, but he went five for 15 and scored 22 points. But it felt to me, it felt like he had no impact on the game. So, my key for this series is even though Philadelphia was able to counterpunch and win and and route uh, uh, the Nets in game two, tying the series, Embiid needs to play well and Simmons needs to play well. Because they're just leaving Simmons on an island right now. It's so easy to game plan against game uh, Ben Simmons right now. He's not a great shooter. He's uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't have the greatest post moves. Uh, so it's easy to help off of him because the Sixers uh, are are just they're they have a starting lineup and that's it. So when you Jimmy Butler, by the way, is actually having a great he had a great game one, even though he had a bad game two. He went three for ten, seven points. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a big key in this series, and he also needs to play well. Uh, Brooklyn, I believe. I, before you go, go ahead, on, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, before you go on to Brooklyn, I gotta say, you gotta say that uh, you gotta admit Ben Simmons had a pretty good game today. He had a great game, yes. So Brooklyn, though, for them, they're playing really free spirited. Uh, no one expected them to have the sixth seed in the East this year. D'Angelo Russell is a cle- is a clear uh, most improved player candidate. He definitely is. So. Uh, I think he's averaging about 22 points now this year. Uh, he's moved on uh, from LA and he's left all that uh, uh, ch- uh, immatureness behind. And he looks like his growth is uh, steadily uh, going going up in Brooklyn. So, but I still see now now that Philadelphia has tied the series and they played well and they played and they won in convincing fashion. I see Philadelphia winning this series now, but I still see Brooklyn taking at least one or. I wouldn't be surprised if it still goes seven games, though. But I see Brooklyn at least winning one more. Well, I, I mean, I actually think uh, Brooklyn's uh, can possibly win this series. You know, especially I, it took Philly a fifty-one point third quarter to basically take the game. You know, and that's not going to happen every game. That's correct. Uh, Simmons had a great game. You know, um, the one guy I, I do want to see play well is JJ Redick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I want to see the LA Clipper. I'm going to knock down jump shots. JJ Redick. JJ Redick. He. Uh, He's having a lot of trouble in this series right now. Uh, I believe he's. they're really neutralizing him on defense. They're really attacking him, making him really work. So that's uh, really interrupting his ability to get open uh, uh, off the ball. So and, and plus, he's guarding Joe Harris, which is a mismatch for him. Uh, so Jay Redick, he's 34 now. He's getting older. Uh, he's not going to have the same energy he, he had in yeah. his L.A. Clipper days. But he's still a very serviceable shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the league. So when he's playing well, the Sixers are a very different team. When he's not, uh, it gets a little more tough for the six, uh, Sixers offense. So we'll see uh, the rest of this series. I still have Philadelphia winning this series. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. It just um, the, the, the thing, well, 
you know, sometimes I question, you know, Brent Brown's decisions as a coach, you know, so sometimes I just don't see them making any adjustments at all, especially with the first game, you know, and um, the New Jersey Nets, they got players, man. The New Jersey Nets, Their guards were... Brooklyn Nets. I'm sorry, the New Jersey, the Brooklyn Nets. The Seattle Seattle Supersonics. (laughs) No, um, but no, the the Brooklyn Nets. No, the the Vancouver Grizzlies. The Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, no, their guards are nice. You know, yeah. um, and I like Levert. I, I like, I like Levert. I like Russell. I like Din. Um, I like Din Whittle, the the Din best Whittle. last name in the NBA. <laughs> Din Whittle. Din Whittle. Is it Din Whittle? Yeah. Din Whittle. <laughs> Din Whittle. I'm gonna call him that now. Spencer Din Whittle. Spencer Din Whittle. If you are listening to the Competitor News podcast right now, so your new sorry. name is Spencer Din Whittle. Go Nets. <laughs> so moving on now to the Orlando and Toronto series. Let me let me say this too, and I. And I just, like I was saying earlier in the pod, I, re- I referenced DJ Augustine's uh, uh, career in the playoffs right now because he's playing, he played a very great game one. Uh, he did exactly what we all expect Kyle Lowry to do in this. Uh, I gave Kyle Lowry a lot of credit. I, uh, I know everybody's bashing him. My best advice right now to Kyle Lowry is to stay off social media until game two at least but uh going back until to you eight, score a damn point <laughs> yeah until you score a damn point for real but uh going back to dj augustino players like him well I, I believe he's been in the league as long as kevin durant has uh because they are they were teammates in texas and they both got drafted in the same year so dj augustine has been around the same amount as kevin the same amount of years as kevin durant but the difference is DJ Augustine is a 5'10 point guard and he's never really been to the playoffs except I think this is his first or this has to be his second time in the playoffs. His first time was probably with uh, his tenure in Charlotte when they were the Bobcats. But now, so DJ Augustine, 25 points, big clutch shot to uh, a go-ahead bucket to put the uh, Magic in front to basically win that game. Huge shot. So credit to DJ Augustine, you know, staying ready. A player that nobody ever talked about. A player that never got any credit. Very steady Eddie point guard. Runs the offense. Hits open shots. Drives to the basket uh, with so much toughness and grittiness. And just taking advantage of this opportunity. And you just got to be happy for a player like DJ Augustine. That he's experiencing game one success. And hopefully it carries on to the series form. Sometimes you forget about players like this. And he's definitely one of the under, one of the most, one of the more underappreciated players in the league. Uh, solid veteran, wily vet. Uh, he's been on a lot of teams. Um, and it's just, you know, like I said, with Kyle Lowry, it's just a, it's pretty pathetic, you know, yeah. you know, and you have DJ Augustine Kyle doing that Larry, against you. Uh, you're Kyle Lowry, you're Kyle multiple, Larry, multiple all-star, all-star NBA player. You all-star know I mean? point guard. I mean, I know it hurts to lose your brother DeRozan last year, but you got to, for, for Toronto to win, Kyle Lowry, you need to be the engine. You need to run that offense. You need to provide some support to Kawhi Leonard. Because if you if you're not playing well, then Kawhi Leonard is going to have a lot tougher time. Couldn't agree more, my friend. Couldn't agree more. So that that's our NBA playoff talk. But now I want to let's move on to some news, NBA news that's besides the playoffs. And we're going to start here with the Lakers turmoil. I know it's I know everybody it, it's kind of old news already. The uh, what's going on in uh, Los Angeles, Lakers town right now. Magic Johnson stepping down their hunt for a new coach and a new general manager but this is going to be news in the news until uh, until moves are made so lakers they need they need to make a move now they magic johnson he pretty much just said picked up his ball said i'm not having fun anymore and he went home but magic is magic and he could do what he wants because one, the second he comes back into Staples for, you know, as a visitor or as a guest or as, a, you know, a guest of a executive, the, the crowd is just going to eat him up and they're just going to cheer for him because he's an iconic figure. He has a freaking statue standing outside of Staples. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what Magic Johnson did here, even though what he did is was, you know, just created a setback for the Lakers. It, it just shows that Magic Johnson is not ready to be an executive and was not ready to uh, be a decision maker. So he, I've always said that Magic Johnson is 
someone that just wants to pitch in and just wants to be somebody known for success. Maggie Johnson's already experienced success in his playing days, and he's in one of the investors for the Dodgers. And when they were buying a whole bunch of players, uh, trying to rebuild, I mean, we all know that how that's going out of uh, two World Series appearances, no title. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> go Giants. But um, Magic Johnson, him stepping down, it was he was at dinner with Genie Bus and the rest of the execs the night before he called his impromptu press conference and just announced that he's leaving. So the 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 fact that he was actually able to sit at dinner and not even look him in the face and not even bring it up one time and then the next day go on go on TV and just announce that he's leaving. Wow. Is there's no words for that. Is I don't know what you do off of that and I don't know how you prepare yourself for that. Because you're sitting there eating dinner with Magic and the next thing you know that he's just he's not there anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean. So, that, what, what do you think about all this, Tim? I just think that uh, Ginny Bus needs to sell the team. Uh, she's uh, the Lakers are a family. Like Chris and I heard Chris Bazaar the other day, and he was mentioning, you know, they're two. They are a family. They're family oriented team, but this is a business. You know what I mean? And uh, you can't, you know, you can't keep signing Laker faithful such as Magic Johnson and such to and hope to succeed. You know, you're gonna need a little bit more. That's why you're having all these rumors with Bob Myers potentially. You know, taking the Lakers gig. I don't see it happening, but, um, you know, it's, I think they're a mess right now. Yeah, the Lakers are a total mess right now. Uh, I mean, the only thing they got going for them, obviously, is they got King James, arguably one of the uh, top three players in the league right now, uh, arguably a top player in the league right now. But LeBron James, he's going to be 35 uh, sometime next year. And even though he's averaging 27, 8, and 8, that's not going to last forever. Uh, we all know that. Let's be, Let's jump back to reality, uh, LeBron fans, Laker fans. LeBron James is a spectacular human being, basketball player. But I don't know if it's enough to win the Western Conference, especially when you got how stacked the West is, especially this year. Like, are you even going to beat the Kings next year? You're good. Like, so we'll see. So, uh, well, the team just, I mean... The Lakers change when they try to trade for AD and the team just quit. The, I mean, the next game, what was it with that game? They lost by like 40. Injuries, drama just took, just plagued the whole Lakers season and it was just too much to overcome. And when you got young players like Kuzma, Ingram, Ball coming into work every day, knowing that their teammate, uh, soon up right beside them, is one of the guys that's in uh, informing them that they're trade bait. How do you respond to that? It's like if I went into work and, uh, my manager is telling me that, you know what, you might not be here. He's reminding me every day that you might not be here tomorrow. How would you feel, you know? Exactly. So there's a lot of there, there's a lot of mess going on in Lakerland, and they got until September to figure it out. Doesn't Rob Palenka have Kobe's backing? That's why they can't let him go. Yeah, so I've heard the rumors that, all the speculation that Kobe Bryant is in line for that general manager job, but Kobe Bryant is about to be a father of four and has a lot more important things to do than uh, fix the turmoil that is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's be real, people. Uh, Take off your Kobe Bryant hats. He's done for now. You're not going to hear from him for a while, except that he's just still in less uh, social media pages posting Kobe Bryant highlights or something, all right? So are they even going to be good enough to beat the Kings? Who knows? Because the Kings now have all the Lakers secrets because they have Luke Walton for your deal. What do you think about this move? Uh, I think it's a good move. I think uh, like every, like everyone's been saying, I don't know if Luke ever had a really fair chance with all the um, circumstances that were happening with the Lakers. And uh, I think it's a good hire. I think uh, the, the Kings have a nice core and uh, um, they got a coach that's that's been well-versed and well-experienced as a coach in this league. You know? So I, I like that you said that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? I, I like that you said that uh, uh, he has a lot of experience because here, here's the thing about when the Lakers uh, hired Luke Walton three years ago. Luke Walton was hired based on the uh, leadership ability he did for 24 games when the Warriors opened the season 24 and 0 in that 73 and 9 season. So. People were high on uh, high on Luke Walton that he was able to right the ship and 
not only just ride the ship, but, you know, power it up and keep the engine going. And so Luke Walton came into a situation with the Lakers where they were in rebuild mode. Ride the ship and you ride, ride the ship, you know. So <laughs> here, here's the thing. Coaches are the same like players in the sense that if they get put in a situation that is not a great fit for them, they're not going to really experience much success, especially when this is his first year ever coaching. So the Kings have their foundation is a lot more suiting for Luke Walton. They have younger players that can relate to Luke. Luke has younger players that are willing to learn and listen. They Vladi Divots used to be a Laker. Luke Walton used to be a Laker. Vladi Divots was Luke Walton. Vladi Divots is uh, chose Luke Walton for his first choice. He didn't even interview another coach. Mm-hmm. He didn't even schedule another interview for another coach. So when you have that sort of trust uh, right off the bat, it's so comforting for a head coach like Luke Walton, especially when you're given uh, the ability to make every decision regarding this young squad. Well, um, even Walton said today that um, the relationship that they have between GM and coach is something that takes years worth, where they were already players and they already had that experience, you know. Um, with the Lakers. That's right. So I believe that the Kings are going to make a lot of noise next year. I like their core. Bagley, uh, Barnes, Collie Stein, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. We'll see if they make any more moves. We'll uh, we'll see what goes on in the offseason. But I do like the Kings' chances of uh, getting back into the postseason, barring any other any injury or any uh, sort of setback. Yeah. I so like De- I like De'Aaron we'll Fox see what a lot. goes on. I really like De- De'Aaron Fox a lot. I think uh, he's got the potential to be a superstar. You know who I like a lot? I, I like, I like you a lot, my friend. Oh, I, I, I like, I like, too, I, like uh, I like that we get to get together once a week and uh, be able to talk about the, the simple stuff in life. You know, the simple interest in life that makes us go around, which is for sure. sports. For sure. You know, you know, it's been, it's been tough for me lately and, I just want to thank you guys for rocking with us. You know, we're on our seventh episode. It's, it's been fun, you know, and uh, I hope you guys continue to rock with us and, you know, we can give you the best that we got, you know. So That's right. Uh, Tim couldn't have said it better. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support, all the listens, all the clicks, all the plays. Uh, we are grateful uh, grateful for it all, and we look forward to uh, creating more content than the rest of you can enjoy down the line. Din Whittle, man. Din Whittle. Spencer <laughs> Din Whittle. If you ever take a listen to episode seven of the Competitor News podcast, hit me up. Let it out, Jay, on Instagram. The Competitor News on Instagram. Uh, Timmy Six Speed on Instagram. Uh, we appreciate you guys, everybody. This is episode seven. Signing out. I'm Justin Chrysostomo. Tim Didico. Everyone have a good one, man. All right. Take care, everybody. Uh, we'll see. We'll catch you, everybody, on episode eight next time. And uh, should be a good one. Everybody take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.